episode 143, Fractured Skulls, Terminator Tribes, and Longside Monoxide. We're back again with another review. It is Tuesday night, May 30th, 2023. We're almost halfway through the year. Happy Memorial Day, everyone, for those that enjoyed the weekend. It's barbecue season. Time to whip out the barbecue. Time to drink some beer. Maybe this is a time for Bud Light to come back, but, I mean, this is beer season. If they don't recover from this, this could be game over for them. You know what's crazy? It's like, I, I don't know, I just had like an epiphany, because Bud is supposed to be a dude, I guess, right? Bud, yeah, Bud. So, aren't we supposed to be like gender neutral? Shouldn't they call it like gender neutral light or some shit? I don't know, but uh, we'll, we'll talk about all that in a few. But uh, how, how you been? How's your Memorial Day weekend? It was a weekend. I had barbecue. It was very delicious. Uh, I would like to have more barbecue right now. I am craving it, but a little too late to be making barbecue or going and fetching some barbecue. So, I'm just here. Reviewing a movie for all you lovely people, all two of you. Yeah, but uh, we got some news discussion. We have uh, some t topics to talk about as we're heading into June. So let's let's check, check it, it out. out. Well, have you ever seen Raiders of the Lost Ark Monoxide? Long, long time ago. That's the one where the two guys have their faces melted by, like, that Nazi spirit. Yes. The classic Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, probably, uh, a film directed by Steven Spielberg in the early 80s. It was a collaboration between him and Lucasfilm, his good friend George Lucas. And what many people consider to be one of the best films of the 80s. And many people have thought that film should have won Best Picture of the Oscar. For what year? Uh, this was 81. I think this was right... This was right before he did E.T. Yeah, E.T. what? Came out in 82? Yeah, 82, 83. Okay, I guess because I don't really remember what came out in 81. I wouldn't call it Steven Spielberg's best because E.T. was way better in my opinion. I like Jurassic Park a lot better. It's hard, think, but... it's hard if you just start, if you just say something. All right, pick three of Spielberg's best films. And that's mm -hmm. still a, a, a answer you, you struggle to come up with. Because you know there's like, oh shit, we gotta bring that one because of what this did, you know. I think the other one would be, uh, didn't he do the Color Purple? Color Purple, Schindler's List. Yeah. Jaws. Jaws is a classic. I, I wasn't really crazy about Jaws, but I can definitely see why Jaws was effective for the time. It just wasn't for me. Well, Indiana Jones has gotten... Uh, uh, four sequels in total. The second one, The Temple of Doom. The third one, uh, The Last Crusade. That's with Sean Connery. And then the fourth one released in 2008, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which was really panned by critics and fans. But the Dial of Destiny may say, hey, Kingdom of Crystal Skull, hold my butt light. Harrison what did Ford they do? Mitz, Harrison Ford admits Indiana Jones is, quote, not so strong, not so brave, not so attentive. Is it at least hear, stunning? I, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> but it, it, is it stunning at least? That's what I need to know. No. But if, if you're gonna have the brave part, you gotta have the stunning. Well, he's he's none of that. At least according to him, promoting this new film. Um, the film, the Dial of Destiny, was recently screened at the Cannes Film Festival uh, last week, I believe. I want to say, and the reviews are not so good. Even it seems to be the paid critics are kind of like, uh. But for now, those, 
Harrison Ford is like 82 years old in real life. Yes. And from what I know, the start of, now for those that don't know, the last film, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, even though it was not a good movie, at least the character had a happy ending. He finally got married. He's going to spend time with his son, who was played by Shia LaBeouf. Who, um, I don't know what the hell his deal is with Hollywood these days. I don't know if he's canceled or they just don't want to work with him. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, he's just crazy. Yeah, he's a, he is someone that he, his temper always gets the best of him. Like, the last thing I remember of him was, this is right when uh, <laughs> number 45 got elected. And they were doing all those dumbass protests. Not as bad as the ones that we saw years later, but there was one where <laughs> I don't know if it was meant to be an oxymoron or what it was meant to be. But he's out there with a bunch of protesters getting in somebody's face, screaming at them, doing a chant, going, Hey, will not divide us! And I had to sit there and ponder this because it's like you know you're right he won't divide you guys you're doing a very fantastic job for him just saying so that was the last I saw of him and other than that Shia LaBeouf who cares um but the best thing Shia LaBeouf ever did was him standing in front of a green screen and just going do it Make your dreams come true! Anyways. <laughs> so this this Indiana Jones film. Yes. So apparently the film starts off with him, his character being drunk. He just comes over to some bar or whatever. And then it shows, you can see on the table, there's divorce papers. So it's like, oh, we already know where we're going with this. They're going to give him the Luke Skywalker treatment. Old man... A shell of his former self into some girl, some strong female character comes in, takes over everything, and is eventually going to take over his spot. And all he needs is a good old pep talk from some skinny female, and then everything's going to be a-okay again. And then at the end, he's most likely going to pass the whip onto this girl. Either that, or they're going to kill him off, and then she's going to pick up the whip and the hat. I don't understand this. Like, why is it that every spinoff character now has to be either a female or part of the LGBT community? I don't get it. It's not even like they're doing this just matter-of-factly. Like, oh, we just happened to find somebody that, even though they're female, they would fit this role stupendously. They are doing this unpurposefully. Mind-boggling. You already told me that this film was pan. Now, I, I don't know if pan's the right word. You just said it was not it woke. Wasn't, it wasn't well received. But it wasn't woke. Uh, it's there. Oh, God. Of course it's woke. It's Kathleen Kennedy. She has literally destroyed every IP that is under the Lucasfilm banner. And Lucasfilm only really had three. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and Willow. Star <laughs> Wars, well, I mean, they're in a fucking grave. Willow is sleeping right next to them, and it looks like they're going to have to make room for Indiana Jones. You know who she reminds me of? There's a, um, do you know the hardware store Lowe's? Yes. Okay. The current CEO it goes by the name of Marvin R. Ellison. 
he has a reputation for going into companies, one of which, for example, is J.C. Penny. And what he does is he basically, I don't want to use the term rape because that's just pretty dirty, but he basically takes anything positive about the company when it comes to their employees and their their salaries and any benefits they may have and other things. He will purposefully strip that away and then tear the company apart take the money that he wants or needs and then goes to another company and just does the same exact thing Lowe's recently has been getting a lot of flat because before Marvin came along there were a lot of good things about the company the benefits and all that stuff you could be there for years and years and years get constant raises and bonuses etc and then here he comes along and he strips all that away also that they can compete in the stock market with Home Depot. So it seems like, yeah, same thing with Marvin, whatever he touches just goes to shit. It, it, I remember Donald Trump said one time, you know, everything woke goes to shit. Okay. Same thing with Kathleen Kennedy. Anything she touches goes to shit. Yeah. Um, I, I, this film has had many reshoots. That's that's always great to hear when it comes to promoting a movie, and mm-hmm. apparently the budget has uh, has hit about three hundred million dollars. That's just to make the damn movie, and you got to pr- then you got to promote it. So this film's got to do at least about a billion dollars just to see anything. Yeah. Still making a hank gonna hit that kind of money. That's a scary thought. That is that's pretty fucking scary to think that they got to try and make over a. Over a billion dollars? They're gonna have to, or they're gonna have to at least make close to nine hundred million just to just to break even, because they literally reshot the entire movie from what I'm reading. Okay, so how much did the last Indiana Jones make? Uh, well, let me. Oh, I didn't, I didn't prepare for that. <laughs> that question. That's, that's okay. <laughs> I, I got it right here. You got it. Okay. So the budget for the last one that came out in two thousand eight was 185 million and they brought back 790.7 million in the box office keep in mind this is 15 years ago yeah this was harrison ford 15 years younger this was also the first indiana jones movie since i'm trying to remember when the third one came out i want to say in in 1989 so that was 20 years now i know this is another 15 years since the next one but it's you've already wore off the novelty yeah you gotta realize there's no spielberg there's no george lucas i mean harrison ford said at you know when they were promoting the fourth one he said look if you guys want to make another one i'm in now he made that deal when Spielberg and Lucas were involved. Now those two are no are not involved. They're nowhere to be found. I'm pretty sure Spielberg didn't want to be in, touch this project with a stick. And of course they bought out George Lucas, so Lucas isn't in charge of his film production. It's Disney. It's Kathleen Kennedy. But it's Harrison Ford. How much more money does Harrison Ford want? God damn, man's really ready. I don't even think it's because he wants more money. I think he just wants to keep busy. He's got, like, literally, what is he going to do with his time at 80 years old? Now, granted, 
I'm that type of guy. Hey, you can live the rest of your life in seclusion. You can rest, this, that, and the other. There's just certain people, even at 80, they don't want to be sitting at home in the rocking chair just rocking back and forth. They want to keep themselves busy. And I can see that because some of the people that I know that keep on working until they're in their 80s, they're still alive, they're still healthy. I, I'll tell you one story that I remember hearing of an old co-worker of mine. There was a teacher up in Massachusetts who was a teacher for like 50-something years or whatever the hell it was. And she decided one year, you know what, I've taught many years, I'm going to retire after this semester. So, the very last class that she taught, she dismissed them. So, officially, she was retired. Five minutes after she let the class go to start her retirement, croaked of a heart attack. Wow. Yeah. Some people just want to keep busy because they don't want to suffer any sort of health ailments that may come if they're just like, if they have no other hobbies to do. So that's pretty much why some people just keep working. I guess Harrison Ford's just one of those guys. Same thing with uh, Clint Eastwood. They just want to keep busy. Vince McMahon. Oh, well, Vince McMahon's <laughs> another fucking issue entirely. But yeah, Harrison Ford's one of those guys. He's going to click, click, keep collecting a paycheck because of his name. I mean, I think at this point, he just doesn't care anymore. You've seen in his interviews, he's like, I don't care. <laughs> but he, he has such a charm to his not-give-a-shit attitude that you just like him more. <laughs> that's probably why he was able to do Han Solo so well. Yes. <laughs> Even promoting the movie. Do you think Do you think Han Solo's going to come back as like a, a force goes? He's like, I don't know what that is, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, I yeah I think he's just reached an age where it's just like you know what I don't give a yeah who yeah, gives a shit yeah because Morgan Freeman he's he's at that point too he just takes what he can get at this point he's like I don't care I know it's not good yeah fair enough and I guess James Earl Jones is about to get to that point as well yeah I'm surprised he's like ninety another you talk yeah. about Clint Eastwood's age Earl James Earl Jones is ninety but he's not an action star. Never was, I don't think. No. But that's, uh, yeah, I guess we'll stick with Disney. Apparently, the hair and makeup designer for The Little Mermaid, who did the makeup design for Ursula, as played by Melissa McCartney in The Little Mermaid movie, is being attacked! Huh? The the villain in The Little Mermaid movie, Ursula, whatever her name is, Ursula? Yeah, yes. The makeup designer who did that is being attacked by the, by the alphabet soup community. Why? Because he should have been a representative of the alphabet community. The alphabet community wanted someone who represents them to do the makeup. Instead, they hired some straight white guy. What? Hold up. (laughs) Did what you just tell me, please tell me that's parody. No, this is not a South Park episode, unfortunately. This isn't a Monty Python sketch? No, I wish... The Little Mermaid hair and makeup designer Peter Swords King rejected calls for him to be re- replaced in a recently released live-action remake. A number of drag queens took issue with King's role in doing the makeup for Melissa McCartney's villain Ursula after Disney released a behind-the-scenes video showing McCarthy's transformation. Must be a little video here. So okay, so we got a, a 
a straight white guy doing makeup for a character who was based off of a drag queen. It's ridiculous. So they're mad that the person in the costume isn't the drag queen or the person that did the makeup? Uh, it seems to be both. Now, when we said, uh, here's a tweet from, a, uh, I guess, someone who supports the drag queen, letter community, whatever. Now, when we said Ursula was inspired by a drag queen, we didn't mean one who had only been doing it for three months. Okay, that's a knock on Melissa McCartney. Another another one tweeted, when you lie on your resume and end up with the job. Wait, they're going after Melissa and the makeup designer? Yo, man, this, this is really fucking ridiculous, man. Like... Now you understand why we all got wound up when some dumb fuck, some empty. Let me take a line from CM Punk. All of that don't matter when you have an empty headed idiot. Some empty headed idiots who thought that a poo should be eradicated because the guy who voiced a poo was not an actual Indian guy. I, I'm still flabbergasted that nobody has called for the guy who voices Cleveland and. Family Guy, because it's actually voiced by a white dude. Mm-hmm. Ah, and now it, it's the same thing that when Randy Orton was supposed to star in some movie where he's supposed to play a military guy, um, the uh, military got all offended because he was dishonorably discharged from the military when he actually served his time there. And it's you know these people are actors, right? You know that job. You know that freaking Harrison Ford's not some random archaeologist explorer or some uh, robber who who steals intergalactic spaceships. <laughs> Christopher Reeve is not a DC superhero. Okay. It's still real to them. Damn it. God damn. It's one thing if you want to get on somebody when it comes to a historically accurate portrayal of an actual moment in history. But if you're portraying a fantasy, who the fuck cares? And and even when you're going that route, like, let's say, for example, they did a movie about Freddie Mercury, who was bisexual. I don't know if the guy who plays him is a bisexual, but let's just say he's a straight man. Okay? Does that change the fact if his performance is spectacular? As Freddie Mercury, well, we gotta knock him down a bunch of points because he ain't really bisexual yeah. like the actual Freddie Mercury. Yeah, he's not sucking dicks on his free time. We need uh, to see him as ha- in some glory holes for yeah, him to get this him, part. We need him pegged before we can actually honor him as Freddie Mercury. You do know, guys, here's another food for thought. Does anybody remember the guy who played Mike? No, the main Brady in Brady Bunch. I was about to say uh, Mike, but I don't think it was Mike. Uh, It was the father on the show. Uh, yeah, Mike Brady. Remember Mike Brady? Robert Reed playing a wholesome father with a wife and six kids? 
guess what, ladies and gentlemen? He was gay in real life. Remember mm. Neil Patrick Harris, the straight white lady, white man, ladies guy on How I Met Your Mother. Every episode, he's got a new girl with him. Probably, guess what? He's gay. Ain't that a bitch, motherfucker? Unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. Like I'm at a loss for words with this dumb shit. Where you have to be that. So, in other words. If somebody's going to play Mike Brady, you can't get a gay guy to play a straight man. Yeah, or you can't get a straight man to play a gay guy. So you know what? Heath Ledger, even though he passed away, he gets points knocked off for playing a gay cowboy. Yeah, and since he's dead, we'll take it out on Jake Gyllenhaal because he was in it too. And while we're at it, why don't we take it out on Maggie? She's the sister and she's collateral damage. (laughs) Poor Maggie. Yeah. It's... You know, this whole fucking thing is just getting ridiculous. <laughs> this whole thing is just like... Whatever happened to theatrics? Performance art. The whole idea is that what makes an actor such a great actor is that they are able to transform themselves into a character. So you mean to tell me that nobody's allowed to play in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest unless they're actually fucking psychotic and are in need of medication in order to walk the streets. That's basically their their argument they're portraying here. Uh, King, the makeup artist, said, and I quote, I find that very offensive. Why can't I do as good of a job as a queer makeup artist? He added, that's ridiculous. That's trying to claim it, and that's fine. If that's what they want to do, but don't put people down because they're not what they want it to be. Fuck that, man. Peter, you did your job. You're a makeup artist. And as a makeup artist, your job is to do whatever they want you to do. Because they wanted him to be a represent. They wanted him to suck dick, basically. Because he doesn't do that. Whoa, what the fuck? All right. So anytime you do a movie, whether it's an actual biopic or just a fictional character, anytime you do a movie that involves a serial killer, I don't want any actor playing him. I want an actual person that's in jail serving life without parole who actually killed people to play that. It's just saying. Same. That's that's the route we gotta go. If, if, if you have to be a drag queen to play a drag queen, like, give me a fucking break. Well, since we're on a topic of The Little Mermaid, it seems like this film could be a box office flop. It could lose Disney uh, close to 50 to $100 million. Yay. Good for them. Uh, no, let me take a line from uh, Christian Bale. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever you have a black lead in movie and you want to promote it internationally, China is kind of racist, for those that don't know. Uh, if- uh, you're saying it wrong. China. China. When they um, whenever they make posters for China, you they can't put a uh, a black actor on the poster because it's illegal over there for whatever fucking reason. So with the poster of the Little Mermaid, the actress since she's black, they had like blue lighting over her. So instead of looking like a black mermaid, she looked like a black avatar. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm sorry, a blue avatar. <laughs> God, this is so ridiculous, man. So, and China was like, "Yeah, I think we're. I think we'd rather watch Vin Diesel." Oh my God! I, now I need to see this Little Mermaid uh, poster. 
I'll send you a link. But yeah, that's what's happening. Uh, I mean, this happens all the time. This is nothing new with China. Obviously, China has a huge population. That's why Hollywood likes to cater to them so much. But the, this woke nonsense is not going to work in China. I tell you that. Yeah, I, I'm seeing the poster right now. It's not terribly... Like, okay. So, is it just the China government or China this and the other that basically says we can't have black people on the posters? Or is that actually a cultural thing where Chinese actual civilians do not want to see black leads? I'm going to assume it's a government thing. Obviously, black people could be in the movie. It's just that you can't use them to market anything from what it seems like. So then why have them in the movie in the first place if you can't market them? Like Because they want the international money. But Obviously, you make more money, you know, if you go overseas or you promote in other countries. But what's the difference? Don't like what about trailers? Well, I well, yeah, again, I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how it works like, trailers. Eventually, somebody's going to see the movie and be like, hey, wait a minute. She's not actually blue. <laughs> oh, damn it. We got the rough draft copy of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they think this is Avatar 3 or something. Or, I don't know. What is this? A Vin Diesel? <laughs> There's no family here. I, I, I don't know, man. But, yeah. I mean, I, I knew we predicted that the Little Mermaid wasn't going to work. All their surprisingly, all their live action adaptations have made them money. I was quite surprised when I read their numbers. Like, oh wow, this has actually been working. That's why they keep fucking doing it. But eventually, you know, the streak was gonna break. It was gonna happen, and it's happening here with the Little Mermaid. I mean, we mentioned, you know, Hollywood's been blackwashing a lot of the white lead characters. I mean, I think the redheads—they get it the worst because it seems like every adaptation they replace a redheaded character. To make them black. We see it here. We see it in The Flash. We see it in the new uh, Ninja Turtles movie, supposedly. April O'Neil, who's obviously a white character, is now going to be played by a black actress or a black lead ca- actor, whatever. I feel sorry for the redheads. Soon the Wendy's marketing, they're going to they're gonna put a, a, a little black girl there. Yeah, didn't they do that to Annie, too? Annie, yeah, they did it to Annie. God. That's crazy. Uh- so, God forbid we ever do a Shirley Temple in the near future. Oh, God. Shirley Temple was black. Yeah, I can't. I, I can't even. Like, no. That's, just, that's too much for me. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm, yeah. All of this is too much. Well, speaking of too much, you want to talk about a nightmare from hell? Let's talk about fucking Bud Light, man. When it rains. When it rains, it pours for this company. But light, you know, we're heading into June. June is Pride Month. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of companies go all out to support the rainbow community. The rainbow colors you see in their logos. Um, currently, there is a boycott happening at Target. Obviously, we already talked about the boycott happening with Bud Light. I still think they have it the absolute worst because, I mean, with Bud Light, we're about three months into this. Mm-hmm. All this started in March, during March Madness. We are about month three. We're heading in a, in a Pride Month, and Bud Light is still on a decline. They are, they're still losing money, and they continue to lose more money. You see it on the shelves. It's everywhere. No one's buying this shit. No one's buying Bud Light. No one's buying Budweiser. 
No one's buying any beers from the Anheuser-Busch. That's the uh, parent company for uh, Bud Light, Budweiser, and a bunch of other little beers that they have. Because all the brands are being affected by this. All, all because they put a trans, a trans. I'm, I'm fucking say a transvestite. Is that bad now? Can we say that word? Uh, that is considered politically incorrect. Okay. Well, they put a man dressed as a woman on a beer can. All it took was one beer can, and all of this has happened. I mean, dude, this has been building up for years. I think a lot of people have been uh, voicing their frustrations with, you know, where these woke corporate companies are going. I don't know if the mass shooting had anything to do with this. It probably did because you brought up a great point how that happened. And then not too long after that, boom, you see a man dressed as a woman on a beer can. And I think the people said, enough, enough of this shit. This is where I draw the line. No more. So the Nashville school shooting happened on... March 27th. And I got to pull up when Dylan Mulvaney did the spokes thing for uh, Bud Light. Because it was either shortly before or shortly after. Oh, it was April 1st. So it was literally a week out. And I think, again, this goes back to the whole issue. So the person that did the school shooting was a transgender female to male, believe it or not, who I don't know why they had a mention. This was a Christian school she shot up. Uh, Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, okay. So, it was quite interesting because this individual actually texted her friend right, maybe 15 minutes before she did the first shot. She texted her on Instagram giving her a suicide note. Saying, thank you for being a good friend, good friend, this, that, and the other, but I can't do this anymore. Something bad's about to happen. And then 15 minutes later, she went into the school and shot it up. Now, again, she went into a Christian school and killed three to... There were six people that died, and I think three of them were kids. Uh, Yeah, seven including the perpetrator. One was injured. And if I have that correct, three of the victims, yeah, three students were killed and three staff were killed at random. And uh, five were pronounced dead at the hospital and one at the scene. What is flabbergasting is that anytime a school shooting happened, for example, like Nicholas Sandman, everyone's saying, oh, white supremacy, we got to ban guns, this and the other. It's all this crazy nonsense that we get. And same thing with Dylan Roof and all that stuff over the years. Well, now we have a school shooting. Because let me preface this before I even really drive home the point. The Sandy Hook shooting with uh, Mr. Lanza over there. Everybody was sitting there saying, oh, my God, if conservatives won't uh, let up on the guns rights because of Sandy Hook because children died then they never will okay well we had some kids that died not as many as Sandy Hook to be fair but we had kids that died and they didn't even make it to 10 years old all because of this 
transgender who was going through an identity crisis. Apparently, one of the reasons was that they couldn't handle the death of somebody that they had a crush on or had a an admiration for. Do you think that people reacted to the school shooting the same way they reacted to the previous ones, where they were saying, oh, my God, prayers to the victims. We need to do gun reform, this, that, and the other. No, they were more concerned about the trans community. I'm sorry, who was the fucking victim here? The Christians that were shot up. And that's not including the ones that are in that school who are probably fucking traumatized because either A, they saw the shooter kill one of their friends, B, uh, saw them kill one of the faculty members, so they'll probably never be the same. Even if they didn't see their friend get killed, just the mere thought that they were in a school where they could have potentially been killed, they're more concerned with the trans's feelings. And so a week later, instead of trying to give hope and prayer to the fucking kids at that school, the Christian kids at that school, what are we doing? We have people in the fucking White House trying to give more of their thoughts and prayers to the trans community. And then, to make this even more crazy, is that... People are calling this person by this person's government name, Audrey Hale, and you've got people pushing back saying, even though that this was a very traumatic and awful experience, we need to refer to them by he, him, Aiden Hale. All of this a week before Bud Light decided to have a trans (laughs) promote this fucking beer. Now it's making more sense why people are fed up. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to go on record for this, and it's going to be controversial. But the trans community has now become the most privileged and protected class in this country. In the history of this country. It's getting there, yes. I, I, I give it the label. They're the most protected class in the history of the United States. They have more laws than I do. They can just walk into a woman's bathroom. I don't have that privilege. Yeah. I feel <laughs> oppressed now. Yo, literally, I can see it right now. A transgender commits an attack similar to that of, uh, what was it, Oklahoma City. And we'll be praying for the trans community because they're the ones that are going to be affected by this. Never... Not even a black person who goes and commits an act like this do they go out and say, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with the African-American community. They never fucking do that. They rightfully so chastise that said African-American who goes and shoots up a whatever. Yeah, they hold the person responsible. Not the trans. So, Bud Light. You want to know why you're fucking up? Because you decided to pull this shit a week after this. You pull it a week after this and say this is your representation of Women's uh, History Month. A Women's Awareness Month. Whatever March is supposed to be for women. And people have just had enough. You don't even get Caitlyn Jenner to do this thing. You probably would have, might have gotten away with Caitlyn Jenner because Caitlyn Jenner, as of recent, has been spouting stuff that conservatives would agree with. Yeah, even though it doesn't make sense coming from Caitlyn Jenner, because <laughs> Caitlyn is mad. Well, you're putting, you know, these aren't women, these are men. I'm like, well, what are you? 
<laughs> you know? Mm. Well, I guess what Caitlyn Jenner is saying is that they don't expect to be treated in the same vein. I guess Caitlyn's understanding that, hey, I'm born a male. Plain and simple. Yeah, but that, that didn't stop Caitlyn from winning a Woman of the Year. Caitlyn Gneezy said, I can't accept this. That is true. I so, do remember. Caitlyn is a hypocrite. I'm sorry. Yeah. Or, or I'm sorry, Bruce. No, no, no. Bruce is their dead name. But, you know, as of, you know, sales are down another 25.7% for Bud Light. Meanwhile, Modelo has increased to 9%. And a lot of people are saying that Modelo is owned by Anheuser-Busch. Yes and no. Well, internationally, Modelo is, distri- is distributed through Anheuser-Busch. For those that don't know, Bud Light, Budweiser, their parent company is Anheuser-Busch, and their operations are in Germany. So technically, they're not an American-based company, and they own a lot of different like brands. One of the, of course, I mentioned Bud Light, Budweiser. They don't own Modelo. Modelo, American-wise, is owned by an American company, but internationally, it's distributed through Anheuser-Busch. So it could be the confusion. If I, I hope I made, I hope that makes a little more sense to you. Okay. Um. I. Yeah. America. Uh. They're owned by Constellation Brands. Uh. Modelo. I don't know what other brands this company owns, but. Um. But Bud Light's not the only people that are. I mean, Bud Light has yet to issue an apology to their fans, to their I say their customers. You know, they still have said nothing. Instead, they have said that they are uh, supporting three Pride events. So now we know their whole statement of, the, of them not knowing about the whole Dylan Mulvaney partnership is all bullshit. Mm-hmm. You say, oh, we didn't know. You know, we had nothing to do with that. You know, oh, that was that was these people. But yet your company is still supporting these other pride relate pride parades. So what's going on there? Did you not know about that, too? Or were you just speaking out of your ass? I don't even like th- this is starting to really just it. Uh, I'm almost at my wits end with these fucking people. And now, people are boycotting boycotting Target. Um, and it's not it's not just the idea of being a trans person. Look, you know, if when you're age and you feel you want to live in fantasy land and you want to be the opposite sex, by all means, go for it. That's your. It, this is a free country. That's your right. But when you want to go after kids, that's where everyone draws a line. That's where boy the boycotting cop comes in. When you go to a store and then you see pride towards you know and towards babies and they make bathing suits that could that could be from both men and women and they put and they have like a crotch where you could tuck in your penis when you when you put it on for kids that's where people say you know what fuck you you're not gonna get my money anymore because i love my children parents are very very protective of their babies why they're no longer gonna trust these brands these companies to to uh, support or try to cooperate with their children. That's why people are boycotting Target. That's why they're boycotting Kohl's. That's why they're boycotting North Face. Why do you think I don't even want to have a kid? Because I would have to bring this kid into this fucking circus of a, of a world that we're living in and have my kid forced to be indoctrinated this ideology at such a young age and if i choose not to have them indoctrinated at such a young age then i'm going to be ostracized as a horrible vile human being and i should have my kid taken away it's really getting stupid 
and it's not even June. I just, how much more money do these companies have to lose before they realize that what you're doing is so fucking ignorant, asinine, nonsensical? Like, just give it up already. You ain't winning this one. It really shows you that these companies are completely out of touch with what their audience want. You would think they're, they're especially with Bud Light, they're getting so much heat. Don't you think they would have like a survey where they would actually talk to the customers? Hey, you know, how? what can we do to fix this? How can we win you guys over again? What can we do? Because the worst thing that happened to Bud Light, not just the Dylan Mulvaney stuff, not just the mass shooting that just happened in Nashville a week prior before the, this thing went through. It was the interview that this VP, Alyssa uh, uh, Heinrich, whatever her last name is, went on this YouTube show and said, you know, we're tired of these fratty. We don't want to have this fratty out of touch humor. You know, we need to we need Bud Light needs to be bright again. You know, we need we need inclusivity. We need to be brighter and realer. And I'm like, wait a minute. What was wrong with Bud Light before it was dark? Because everything she said in that interview made no sense. If I was interviewed, I would have said, all right, listen, you're going to have to elaborate. What do you mean by all this? What, you say, you know, we need to be brighter. What? what why, why wasn't it brighter before? Because it yeah. seemed like, according to her, the problem wasn't the product itself. It wasn't the, 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 the rap piss that these people produce. It was the marketing. She completely misdiagnosed the problem for Bud Light. And as a result... Look where they are now. And she and she was the first female VP of a beer company. And she didn't even last a full year. So, of course, there was a woman that made this, this change. Yeah. And now they just don't want to admit defeat. It's sad, really. It's really fucking sad how, how far we've come. Like, you just... You have to admit defeat, man. You, you've lost... How many more times you got to get knocked down before you realize what you're doing is fruitless? You're just getting back up just so that you can get knocked down again. And all the people are asking from you is just an apology. But they're not going to do that because they don't want to lose the ESG score. They don't want to whatever the fuck they do with the, this blacksmith or whatever is going on behind the scenes. They don't want to lose any of that because to them that's more important than their customer base. And they told them to go away. Well, they went away. Now they want to win them back. Because they realized, oh my god, we fucked up. We yeah. brought this girl. She clearly had no idea what she was doing. She didn't understand her job. And it's stuff that she did understand she didn't like. She wanted, to push her, she wanted to push her own political agenda for Bud Light. And as a result, she ended up possibly destroying the brand. And I, I don't think, but as I said before, I don't think Bud Light's going to recover from this. Alyssa, I mean, this was the first time she's ever been... This was the highest point of her career. She was getting paid a lot of money. And now, since uh, this whole Dylan Mulvaney stuff, she's been put on a leave of absence. Quotations, leave of absence. There's a good chance she's never going to come back. Now, when she finds another job, she can't put that on her resume. Because that's, that's going to be the only thing on her resume. She can't put that on there. She literally blackballed herself from ever being a marketing VP of any company. The only way I could see Bud Light ever recovering from it is if they get a completely brand new guy in that spot. Go, 
as CEO. And then they just take over and completely revamp the whole entire company. That's going to take years. Years. Um, some, um, some former, I, I didn't get his name, some former um, executive that used to work for Bud Light, he did an interview recently and he said, we spent 20 years building that brand of Bud Light because Bud Light was formed in the 80s. And they spent 20 years to make Bud Light the number one beer brand in America. Everyone knows of Bud Light. You see it at sporting events all the time. And ever since they got bought, Anheuser-Busch got bought by a higher corporation. I think it's called InBev. Uh, this was around 2006, 2008. That purchase happened. The company was never the same. Because then they decided they wanted to get political. And, you got, and as I mentioned, you remember those Seth Rogen, Amy Schumer campaigns, which didn't work. It didn't destroy the company, for sure as hell didn't increase business. And then they went back to doing what they were doing before, and that was just focusing on sporting events and music festivals. That's where their focus should have always been. Every time they try to get political, it backfires. And now, I don't think they're going to come back from this one. Not just political, though. Political in a very niche way. That's not helping them in the long run. I'm, I'm done. I'm just I'm done with these companies just I, not knowing anything. I, I don't I don't know. If you were to hire me and say, Charles fixes, what can we do? I say, I don't know. I think we just gotta admit defeat. It's over. Cause you now you have Bud Light truck drivers who are quitting because they're being harassed by people that say, Oh, you're promoting that gay beer. There's the gay beer truck guy. No. I feel bad. I feel bad for all these vendors. It's weird. I I don't advocate people like harassing beer truck drivers what did they do they didn't do anything they're just fucking doing what they need to do to survive trying to earn a paycheck but yeah this is all on Bud Light all on Bud Light because they wanted to be fucking heroic they wanted to be the, 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 the beer company that's woke look where we're at yeah, you know what what happened? They forgot who their audience was. They hired this dumbass. I I don't I can't. Oh, well, I mean, they did this to themselves. If they don't turn things around by the summer, because this is this is the month everyone's outside. It's summer. Everyone outside. They're gonna want to have a beer. I mean, this is where I'm assuming the summer is like the biggest uh, profit of the year. This is where all the real money comes in, and no one's touching this shit. It's mm-hmm. embarrassing for them. Like, the the blue collar worker doesn't want to touch this brand anymore. They literally said, "Hey, hey, letter community, this is your beer. You guys can have it. We don't want this." For you know, congratulations, you guys won. Here's your beer. One problem is there's not enough of them to keep the business sustainable. Yeah, especially with how, like you said, how long they've had to build that brand to become a a, a sustainable beer that you can hand out at freaking games. And now, and now Budweiser's teaming up with Harley Davidson, you know, that man company. Yeah. Men, dr- men ride bikes. And now hey. boycott Harley Davidson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because then they're going to change the name because it's got to be female power. I'm going to change it to Shirley Davidson. <laughs> yeah, Harley had, a, Harley had a sex change. Yeah. <laughs> and they're going <laughs> to be. Davidson. And, and after they do that, they'll hardly be making any money yeah <laughs> so uh june i mean again it's not even june yet as of this recording at least but it's gonna be quite an interesting month 
I mean, I, I didn't even bring up the, the, the stunt with the LA Dodgers. I don't even know if I should. Christ, we'll be going on all day with this show. Yeah, we'll, we're going all day with this, but for those that don't want to know about the LA Dodgers stuff, you could Google that because they they caved into the wolf mob as well. So, oh man, let's let's get to this movie. Yes, please. All right, today's film we're discussing is Disturbing Behavior. Released in 1998, it is an hour 24 minutes. It's rated R. It was directed by David Nutter, written by Scott Rosenberg. It stars James Martin, Katie Holmes, Nick Stahl, Bruce Greenwood, and the underrated William Sadler. You want to take a guess where this movie was filmed? Canada. You know it! <laughs> I could tell by the cast at the end, it's like, oh yeah, this is a Canadian movie. Because uh, I noticed Catherine Isabella, who plays the younger sister for uh, James Martin's character, Steve Clark. She's a Canadian actress. She was in Freddy vs. Jason. Uh, uh, what's that movie? Ginger Snaps. She's done a lot of those films. She's a she's a, a, a legend in the Canadian film scene, I guess you can say. She's been around for a minute now. So uh, you recommended this film to me uh, for a quick uh, new uh, scenario. Uh, a new kid uh, moves into Cradle Bay, Washington. Someone's across something sinister about the town's method of transforming its unruly teens into upstanding citizens. Now, this was your movie of choice. Why this one? We needed a movie, and I just found it. <laughs> that, that's it. I'm going to be blunt with you. Like, you, I asked you, what movie do you want to do? And you were like, hmm. Got no reply back, so I was like, okay, I'll do the work this time. And I just found this. I was like, oh, how about this movie? It's on Tubi. Go watch it. Why not? And this movie made me realize that I've seen Nick Stahl in more shit than I care to remember. <laughs> I've seen him in Terminator 3. I've seen him in this. And I've seen him in Sin City. And I vaguely saw him in Fear of the Walking Dead. I know he did that HBO series. I think Carnival. That came out like that was around through like the early to mid-2000s. That's that's all I know him from. That was like this was kind of like the peak of his career. I think Terminator Three was like his peak. Well, he also did Sin City. Yeah, that was that was kind of like towards the end of his peak was Sin City. And that was well, 05. Well, then he got into Fear of the Walking Dead. That was much later. That was like over ten years later. Yeah, and he's only in a few episodes there, but yeah. Very interesting to say the least. He's had a very interesting career, but. Yeah, I just saw the the plot to this, and I was like, okay, this could be interesting. So, the main crux of this is that uh, Nick Stahl's character, who's he plays the character of Gavin, is watching some sort of uh, incident with a jock and some girl in a car. It looks like it's about to be a rape scene, but she... Uh, actually, it's not a rape scene. It was actually consensual. Yeah, she was giving him head, and then he just. Yeah. So, I don't know why I said a rape scene, but anyways, yeah, they they were having consensual sex, and the guy kills her after she gives him oral, and two cops come up, one of which is a little bit suspect, and the other one, it looks into the car and sees that the girl is dead. And as soon as that happens, the two get into a scuffle. This random jock and the cop and the jock ends up shooting the cop. And the other cop 
basically says, here, just drive away. Just drive away. And we're just left pretty much with ambiguity there. Then we're introduced to uh, Steve Clark. He's our main character. And he's got family, and they're all going to be moving to this new town from Chicago. So he's now going to this school. And he goes into a classroom where he sees all these group of people who are the same as this Jacques and come to find out that these people are part of a group called the Blue Ribbons. So it's interesting because, yeah, these these jocks have it in with this one dude named Dickie. They go back and forth kind of having a spat. So at lunch, that's when Steve Clark has lunch and, and is talking to Gavin and UV is his name. I don't know what UV stands for, but okay. And they basically just show him the roundabout of this whole school, this and the other. There's one scene where Dickie is about to get some parts for a Mercedes, but then the whole entire group of the Blue Ribbons is there and they basically beat him up. And the next thing you know, Dickie's all of a sudden dressed up in a vest and he's all clean cut. It's kind of strange to say the least. A complete 180. Complete 180. It's a little bit weird. Um, I don't remember when Rachel, Rachel comes in, Katie Holmes. <laughs> she plays Rachel here. But yes, she eventually comes into the picture and she's going to be Steve's love interest. But yes, and throughout the movie, Gavin, who's like a big pot smoker, is noticing that something's a little bit odd with the blue ribbons, especially when it comes to Dickie, because it's just like. He's he like, was, these two were just nearly killing each other yesterday, and the next day they're all buddy buddy. Exactly. So he tries to convince Steve that there's something wrong here. Now, keep in mind, Steve has also gone into the office at one point where he meets character Dr. Edgar Caldecott. Keep that in mind. Caldecott basically tells him, go out there and make some friends. You think he's a pretty unassuming guy. So at some point, Gavin starts to realize that he had three friends that all of a sudden just converted to the blue ribbons. And now they're just like mean jocks that are just bullying other people and beating them up. This, then the other. And there's also a janitor that's in this movie who kind of plays a little bit slow. And uh, he he's kind of funny. He's kind of uh, entertaining in this movie. He, he just keeps to himself, but they keep calling him like all these names that the blue ribbons. And at some point, Gavin who's trying to convince Steve, yo, like, th there's something up with this group, and Gavin's just like, dude, lighten up. I mean, yeah, they're a little bit weird, but it's nothing too outrageous. All of a sudden, he starts to see that his parents are going in for a special meeting to sign Gavin up for the Blue Ribbons. He's panicking. He's about to lose his shit, because it's like, yo, I don't know. No, now I'm being betrayed, this, that, the other. And Steve still thinks he's being a a little bit too crazy because Gavin at some point after uh, realizing this he had a gun he was about to shoot his own family yeah yeah 
Steve stopped him, took his gun away, walked away. Next day, Gavin now is like Dickie, just completely changed. Clean cut, wearing the colors. Yeah. They, they, they got him. That's when Steve is just like, uh-oh, something's really odd here. So he gets into a fight with the whole Blue Ribbons, but obviously it's too much. They're all too much for him. Um, I think there's one point where Katie, or excuse me, Rachel, is in the basement where they smoke cigarettes. And one of the jocks is about to get with her and try to rape her. Until uh, the janitor puts a distraction and turns one of those radio signals all the way up. And it really messes with his head. So she was able to get away. The guy, the big jock just smashed the radio. Blah, blah, blah. So now, Steve, Rach, uh, yeah, Rachel, uh, UB, and his sister, I want to say... Uh, what was his sister's name? Lindsay. They're about to start planning to get onto a ferry back to Chicago. They're like, yeah, screw this. This is getting ridiculous. We, we need to get the hell out of here. However, <laughs> the doctor, Caldecott, pretty much is already swaying his parents to bring him with the Blue Ribbons. He's just trying to get the hell out of there. They're, this goes on for about like 20 minutes where they're trying to escape. And these Blue Ribbons characters, they're always one step ahead, it seems like. They're always entrapping them, making sure they can't get away. So at some point, they capture they capture at least uh, Rachel, Rachel and Gavin. Or not Gavin, I'm sorry, Steve. They actually capture them. And the way this works, this little system, is they strap them to a chair. It's kind of like Clockwork Orange in a way. But they strap them to a chair, put their eyes up, and they insert a chip. Because every one of those characters has some sort of red eye. And the other thing, too, is that their lust meter goes off. Because there was one point in the movie where Steve notices one of the girls at his house. And her lust just went completely off. And she just wanted to have sex with him so bad. And when he denied it, that's when she tried to stab him. Yeah. Then there's also one jock in particular that just went off and just beat up a bunch of people at a grocery store. So there's still some faulty wiring. Well, Steve was able to sneak in some sort of sharp object to cut himself loose and get out of it and save Rachel before she got uh, eviscerated to this machine. So now... As they're making their getaway, th this line was pretty funny. So UV pulls up and he said, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. What's the capital of North Dakota? Steve just sits there and goes, how the fuck am I supposed to know that? Okay, you're good. Come in. <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever. So they get to the car. They're about to try and make their escape. Uh, obviously, they are not able to. Oh, there's one scene I'm forgetting in particular because the janitor plays a huge role in this. When they're making their escape, that same cop that I told you about from the beginning stops them at a gas station and says to them, what are you doing? Get out of the car. And is about to arrest them. But that janitor comes in and smashes him upside the head with a radio because he's got plans. 
even though he's special needs, he's got some plans. He's going to do something. So, as they're about to make their escape, obviously all the blue ribbons are there, about to make a stop. And what's his face? The uh, the janitor comes up because there's one point where they they hit into Dr. Edgar Caldecott. So, I'm forgetting something. Edgar Caldecott, the so this is the basic gist of what's been going on. Steve moved into this town because his older brother committed suicide. So they moved here for a fresh start. Edgar Caldecott, the reason he's brainwashing all these people is because he's part of mind control. And his daughter, who's also special needs, who's kind of like off crazy, he tried to mind control her, but it went wrong. So now he just goes from town to town to mind control people. So that's why all these Blue Ribbons people are completely brainwashed. And so they... uh, Somebody runs over Dr. Edgar Caldecott, not killing him, but he's just run over. It is what it is. And there's one point where the guy, the the janitor, gets a bunch of those radios and just puts them on full blast because now it'll distract all those kids because now their heads are going crazy. Now they just want to just destroy the radios. So they start chasing him and he's already shot. So he knows his time is done. And he jumps off a cliff and all the Blue Ribbon students jump to their deaths along with him. That was that was fun. Yes. And keep in mind, he made a line uh, <laughs> right before he jumped. Hey, teacher, leave them kids alone. I thought that was a clever way to go out. So Steve tells Rachel and UV and Lindsay to go on ahead. He'll be right with them. And that's when he and Aldecott or Caldecott have a standoff. They have their little fight scene. It lasts like maybe a minute. Knocks him off a cliff, kills him. So evil has been conquered. He's on the bike. He drives. He lands on the ferry. And it looks like it's happily ever after for Rachel, Rachel, Steve, uh, UV, and Lindsay. Except the very final scene of this film, it shows another troubled school, predominantly African-American, where they're all like just nowhere dwells. They always cause trouble and all that. They this and the other. And the teacher brings in a student teacher, which happens to be Gavin, who's still possessed by the chip. He's the only one that still got away. So it alludes to the fact that is this really the end? And the film ends from there. And that is Disturbing Behavior. It's one of those 90s uh, high school teen movies. Yes. Um, It feels like an extended episode of The X-Files, just from the quality of it. And from reading up on the director, he did do episodes of The X-Files. Yes. And... Um, Which is also filmed in Canada. Um, (laughs) There you go. And this is one of uh, Katie Holmes's, I guess, first... Movies? No, it's her second movie. Her first movie was uh, The Ice Storm. So this is her second go at a movie. Yeah, this was Katie Holmes's rise. She was doing uh, Dawson's Creek, um, which is probably during this or, or prior to this. Mm-hmm. So she was getting noticed. James Marston. Uh, this was right before he did X-Men, playing Cyclops. This was one of his early roles. One of Nick Stahl's uh, first roles. Uh, who else? So I mentioned... Uh, uh, 
Catherine Isabella, I mentioned the younger sister, Lindsay, one of her earliest roles. So you have a lot of rising young actors in this film. Uh, Bruce Greenwood, he's a veteran. He played Dr. Edgar uh, Caldecott. And of course, uh, the janitor, William Sadler, we saw him in uh, Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. He's, he's always great in everything he's in. Um, this film's all right. I've seen this plot on like on, on an episode of the uh, 2000s Twilight Zone. They did the same thing, how there's almost like this secret society that like tra- that brainwashes these kids to be like the perfect, I guess the perfect child in a way. Yes. Um, they did an episode of Goosebumps, uh, same plot, except it was with a school. All the troubled kids all of a sudden go back home being like perfect, upstanding children. They're not those troubled teens that they used to be. And it's always usually through some like clockwork orange experiment that they make them watch or put some chip inside them or even make them a clone. But, you know, they all follow the same plot line. There was an episode of Fear, it's, of, uh, Fear Itself called Community. Same idea. A family moves into like a town, like this very small community, and uh, everyone is just acting too perfect to the point. All right, something's up here. Yeah. And this movie is just one of those many trends that follows that similar storyline. Yeah, it says here it took a lot from Stepford Wives, Clockwork Orange, as I mentioned earlier, and Village of the Damned. Village of the Damned. I I haven't seen Stepford Wives. I've seen the other two. Village of the Damned. They remade in the '90s with uh, Carpenter. That was all right. Yeah, so I didn't mind this. It was, it was very. I felt the last act was rushed. Oh, hundred percent, because the movie's only an hour and twenty something minutes, and I felt like of all characters, why Gavin be the one to be possessed and then be the one that's still going to kill? Because especially since he was the first one to notice that something was up. I thought maybe UV could have been the one that was possessed and then he gets away and he's the only one that's left. I just figured that would have worked better that way, but Yeah, I, I not not enough questions were answered for me. Like what happened to um uh Steve and Lindsay's parents? Were they brainwashed too? Because we never saw them again. Yeah, that's true. Cause the the last scene you see them in is he gets kicked out of the house and then Eldercott closes the door and says, Oh, I'm sorry for their behavior or whatever the heck it was. And that was it. They're kind of like left behind while Steve, Rachel, UV and Lindsay go back to wherever. I mean, they're yeah. with Chicago. But. Yeah. they. So, yeah. So did, what about um, Katie home? Rachel, what about Rachel's parents? Where, where do they sit in on this? Like, did they go to the cops after they left the ferry? Like, I don't know. This not not enough was answered. The, the, the ending was I don't know if they were going to do a sequel, but it just left a cliffhanger ending. I don't, you know, I, I just really wasn't satisfied with that. And then the next stall ending just felt so random. Um. Yeah. Well, her parents never really were in the film, so. <clears throat> I don't know if they play any of importance, unlike Steve's parents, who were in the film, where they showed, uh, obviously, distress over the death of one of their sons. So, yeah, there was, yeah, there was that subplot. Um, but yeah, I mean, what about UT or UVs, uh, folks? I mean, yeah, they weren't present in the movie either. But you know, these kids aren't just living on their own. They gotta be staying with someone. That is true, <clears throat> but. As I said, certain things, I guess, 
could have been answered, but in the end, it, it, it's a solid one hour and 20 minute film. It's, it's a short movie. Yeah, it's a film that you really shouldn't think, I guess, too much about, or else you can be like, yeah, this, like, you probably, it'll probably take your enjoyment out of it a little bit. I'll try not to think too much about it. But uh, as I mentioned, it felt rushed. It felt like they wanted to get this movie under 90 minutes just so it'd have more replay time at the theaters and you can make more money for more screenings. Um, apparently, there is a director's cut that has never been released. Uh, David Nutter said he screened it to a film critic once, and the film critic said he uh, he said the the director's cut's way better than the the version that we just saw. Uh, it's never been released. It's locked in some vault, I guess, in MGM Studios. The film has gone through multiple cuts just to satisfy the rate, the MPAA rating, and I guess to try to get under that 90 minute uh, runtime just so it get more replay value at the theaters. Um, so- this is, uh, again, who's a, a shout factor. You got to get get on this. You got to find this cut. So hold on. Why were these scenes deleted? Um, For a runner, for a shorter runtime. That's it? There's no real reason other than just shorter runtime? Like, what would it have been with it? Uh, it's just a studio. They just, apparently the original uh, cut was 115 minutes. Oh, so just under two hours. Yeah. So they cut out about, geesh, they cut out about a half a half hour of it. Yeah, it's a lot. But uh, David Nutter said he's been trying to, but he was unable to get it released. But of course, this was back in the 90s. I don't know if he was a try now. I I would be open to seeing a unedited version of the film because I didn't hate the movie. I just felt like I just I had a feeling watching. I think there was more to this. That they had to cut down due to run due to its uh because they wanted it get it under 90 minutes mm. any copies in the late 90s there was a workout work printer director david nunn's original 115 minute version of the film floating around but sadly unlike many other work prints from that time any copies of it disappeared and none was ever found again well that sucks yeah i wonder i i guess the reason i'm holding it is because it's probably not going to make much money because it's yeah the, budget, the yeah, the budget was fifteen million, and it brought back seventeen. Yeah, and it's not like a cult following for this, or at least not one that's real there. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure it has a small audience that that's there, but not like a. I guess you could call it an almost cult classic. Almost there, but not quite. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's there. Or, or in your case, it's not there at all. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, overall, um, I didn't think the acting was that bad. Uh, it had a pretty good cast. A lot of young actors who went on to do bigger and better things. Um, the one song that they kept playing in the movie during the beginning and the end was the song uh, Got You Where I Want You. Mm-hmm. It was done by a band named The Flies. It's a one-hit wonder song. I, I didn't know the song was for this movie. Because I've seen the music video. Because Katie Holmes is in the actual video. I think James is in it as well. And then in the video, they show clips of the movie. I didn't know this song was made for that movie. Right. And I was like, oh, I recognize That's a good song. Such a 90s song, too. Well, yeah, this did have a lot of 90s tropes. So, oh, and one other thing I forgot to, I forgot to mention. Uh, what happened to the cop? Oh, he got knocked out. I guess he was dead. I guess. I, I was like, oh, I guess that killed him. 
I mean, he was hit pretty hard, so. Yeah, it, but yeah, they, they didn't stab. They didn't stab him. He actually killed him, but it, it made it sound like he just knocked him out. Yeah, not only that, that cop is crooked, so. Yeah, he never came back, and I thought he was gonna come back. Maybe at least during the end scene when they all just he just jumps. Hey, wait for me! Let me jump off the cliff too. Maybe he does in the unedited or, or yeah, in the director's cut, but. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, I probably. That would make more sense if he's on that. It's unfortunate, but. Yeah, uh, the film was okay. I think with that extended cut, it would have made the film a lot better than what we got. Um, But it's not bad. I wasn't bored. I was entertained with what it was. Um, I've seen this film floating around on Tubi forever. I just never took the time to just sit down and watch it. I really didn't know what it was about until I saw it. Oh, it's one of these movies. Yeah, it was fine. It was was very fine. That was fine. Where are your thumbs with this one? I would give it at least a one thumb up. One thumb up? You know, I, I could agree with that. That sounds fair. Just, I would love to see the other portion that was removed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's still lost. I mean, they say it's lost, and then they could... I want it to open that vault. Let's see what's in there. Yeah. I would like to see that. Because I, I, I could imagine... I know studios, they'll have, like, a warehouse with all these different films. Whether it be deleted scenes, just, just a bunch of shit that's probably never been touched. You just gotta dust them off and... I wouldn't mind having that for a job. Just find, find us some old footage. Go yeah. in the house, sort this shit out. Just sucks because this movie isn't that marketable, so probably won't see it anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think there is enough of a demand for it. So it's currently on Tubi for anyone that wants to check it out. You might want to check it out pretty fast because June's about to come and obviously every month. The streaming movie apps they update their movie catalog they add some they take some out so i don't know where this is gonna i'll probably be on there because not like it's an expensive film to keep on a streaming service uh-huh. so so if you want to check it out it's on there otherwise yeah that's uh that's really all i gotta say about disturbing behavior kind of like our society today <laughs> yeah really <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this episode. From Monoxide, I'm Terry Travis. Steve, what's what's the capital of North Dakota? How the fuck am I supposed to know? Ah, you're, you're okay. You can come.